Welcome to Work It, Live It, Own It, a show that explores how to upgrade your lifestyle through life lessons, real estate, and entrepreneurship. Here's your hostess, Sakola Lair. Buying a home is often one of the most significant financial decisions that a person will make in their entire life. And navigating the mortgage process or applying for a loan can be a maze and has various options and a plethora of information. So whether you're a first-time home buyer or you're a seasoned property owner, understanding the key players involved in a mortgage game is crucial. And so today, we have a special guest who is here to help mystify the world for us. So I am joined today by a special guest, Taylor Judge. She's a seasoned mortgage broker from Loan Pronto, and she's here to bring us a wealth of knowledge and experience to the table. Now, Taylor's passion lies in educating. This is what I love about Taylor. She loves educating, connecting, and being there for her clients, for her real estate agents. She believes that everyone deserves the experience and the joy of home ownership. And her goal is to make this process as seamless and approachable as possible. Thank you so much, Taylor. It's good to see you. Same, likewise. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much. So, Taylor, give us a brief synopsis of why you chose the career path. How did you embark on this journey of becoming a mortgage broker? Uh, I, I I moved around a little bit after college. It's kind of hard to find out what exactly you want to do. Um, not well for me anyways, but uh, I started helping people get into leases and rentals and that was just fulfilling alone in itself. Um, I mean, it's so exciting to get into a new home, even if it is apartment, it might be your first apartment, it might be your first apartment with being married or a home that you're renting. That um, So that gave me, I mean, fulfillment and seeing that and helping people that way. So really the next step was how can I really get them into that um, that homeownership role? So that's really where I was like, let's see what we can do there. Um, and uh, kind of started doing uh, loans and as a loan officer and a mortgage broker. Okay, thank you. <laughs> so that leads me to the next question that I wanted to talk to you about because I don't think too many people know the difference between the roles of a mortgage broker and a loan officer. So can you start off by explaining those two roles and how they fit into the home buying process? Sure. Um, So I would say I am a little bit of both. Um, A mortgage broker is a mortgage. So they are able to access multiple different lenders' products and pricing, where if you would go to a bank, they also have a loan officer, but it would be that specific, that singular lender, that singular bank. Um, They'll have a loan officer in their office as well. Um, So I'm a little bit of both, but I'm a mortgage, I'm a loan officer for a mortgage broker, but I kind of use them. um, um, What's the word I'm looking for? (laughs) Um, Use them both. Okay. So you have access to both. So you can do the loan officing officer side or the lending side, but you are in touch or tapped into using your company as a basis of finding out what are all the programs out there, correct? Sure. Yeah. Um, but a loan officer is the one who originates 
the the loan. So you might have a loan officer at a bank, um, but I'm one with a mortgage broker. So. Okay. <laughs> Excellent. And so I was talking to another real estate broker recently, and what they were saying was about mortgage brokers. And they said, you know, this there's one thing I wish that mortgage brokers would do is stay in tune and tapped into what programs are out there in the local area. So with you having your hand or your pulse on both sides, for mm-hmm. you, are you in tune with local programs as well as national programs? Uh, certainly national ones. Uh, it does, unfortunately, some of the local ones, uh, the the mortgage broker does have to be approved with them. And sometimes those are can be a little bit tricky. Um, I think they have certain ones or bank and, and institutions that um, they only allow so many. Uh, so typically the local ones we don't have a ton of access to. However, unless you're a mortgage broker, like in Florida, uh, you do have to have, the mortgage broker has to have a actual office in Florida to be able to offer those hometown heroes programs, which are really great. So mm-hmm. hometown heroes are are for like firefighters, um, nurses, teachers, things like that. Uh, so then again, normally those are for um, usually credit unions, banks, single lenders are, are able to be signed up with those. And okay. I'm not sure exactly the reason why, but... Mm-hmm. Um, but there are national ones that our lenders offer as well. <laughs> so we've talked about suiting your clients' individual needs. Let's talk about a hot topic right now, and that comes with interest rates mm-hmm. and terms. So mm-hmm. how do you and your services, how do you help home buyers find competitive interest rates that are with favorable mortgage terms? And I know that's maybe kind of tricky to navigate right mm-hmm. now, but mm-hmm. just overall, because we've seen various highs and lows in the market since you started in the business. Mm-hmm. Right. Let's just talk about how you have found competitive interest rates and favorable mortgage terms for your clients. Yeah. Um, so one thing I like to kind of note is that um, someone might send me a proposal or an estimate from another bank or another lender, uh, and they're just looking at that rate. Uh, I do try to educate them if there's not enough info on that it is like, what are, what are the, what are the costs associated with this? I can give you myself can say you can get, um, a 6%, but there's a lot of costs associated with that. So every bank has costs associated with the rates they offer, but you're going, you're wanting to find the bank that costs the least or the best rate. Um, so again, with, with being able to, as a mortgage broker, I don't just look at one. If you're just going to your bank, the one that you've maybe banked with since college or high school or whatever it is, uh, they're just going to offer you the prices and products that they have and maybe just that they have that day. Uh, again, with me being able to look at all of them, um, it's really just shopping them all at once. Um, but other than that, there is those programs where some programs I can look at it and based off the goals and that I've had and the conversations that I've had with the buyers, I might say this one sounds really great, but you got to know that X, Y, and Z is going to happen back here um, or in the back end. A lot of times I think some of these programs sound really great up front, but then they really, of course, it's like those disclaimers. They put that really small and I don't like there to be any surprises ever. I, I try to be as, tr- I, I'm transparent. 
it as it comes uh, because I would rather you be know immediately than get down the line, have everything ready to go. And then all of a sudden you realize that there is these fine lines you didn't realize. Um, I was actually just talking to an agent today that a lot of those new builds, they offer great incentives, uh, but there was something real fine lining, line uh, that said if you use their preferred lender, uh, they gave you this credit um, uh, but what was it? And then, um, but if you did that, they're going to be increasing the price of the home because if, then you'll be getting this $10,000 credit. So basically they're saying, use our preferred lender. We're going to give you $10,000. And like, mm-hmm. that's amazing. But, you, and then you're looking at this purchase price up top, big numbers. However, the point is if you do use them and get that incentive, they actually raise the purchase price of that home an extra $10,000. So again, they're just taking it and putting it somewhere else, um, wow. which may be good uh, for, you know, if you just really need that cash on hand to close to get into that home, I do think all day, like, that's great. Take it, even if the interest rate's a little bit higher than maybe what I could offer. But if that 10K is going to be what's the difference of making you a homeowner, I'm going to say absolutely take it all day. Um, you know, because there's the guidelines in place that we do have to make sure it's affordable. Um, affordable, <laughs> it's uh, it, um, not, you know, directly, not um, affordable, I guess. Uh, we're not going to put you in a, in a loan that you can't afford. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, anyway, so there's those fine lines and those little things where it may sound really great, but that little thing was then that they're going to increase the purchase price if you're taking that incentive. So they take it from somewhere else usually. So again, I love to look at those things, even if it's a client that's like, I'm going to use that preferred lender and just try to look over it to say, if there's no one looking out for them, if their agent may have not missed or may, may have missed that. Um, because again, their attorneys are the ones usually working for also the builder. There's no one really looking after for you. So even if it's not going to end up being my client in the end, uh, I try to at least educate them again, as much as possible. And, uh, you know, obviously hope for the best. Hopefully if I can't help them, maybe they have, I can help somebody else that they know. Okay. So there's some points that you really touched on that I really value and I appreciate that I heard you say. So one, transparency is key. Open communication, honesty, attention to detail, because you were able to actually look at the fine print because (laughs) let's face it, in real estate, you are dealing with a bunch of legalese terms or descriptions that you may not be aware of. And things change constantly on a yearly basis. I just think about in Mm -hmm. North Carolina, our agreements, they change every single year. Mm -hmm. And the fact that you were able to pull that out and say, okay, yes, they're going to provide an incentive, but they're going to increase the price of the home Mm -hmm. to actually advocate and be there for that home buyer speaks volumes. Because a lot of times, People can just go through, and I don't, forgive me, because I don't work in your side of the world. I like to stay in my lane. But I do (laughs) know a lot of times there is what you call the automated processing, where you Mm -hmm. just kind of key in numbers and say, okay, this will work. These are the programs that they Mm -hmm. are approved for. And then there's... and then there's the manual underwriting process where you actually mm-hmm. are crunching the numbers and making those things work. So I value you for that and doing that. And that kind of moves me into the next part about customized solutions, because I've worked with some lenders before and they just pretty much do the automated underwriting. They are 
pulling that person's credit, looking at the credit history and saying, okay, this is what they qualify for. These are the type of programs that they qualify for and Mm -hmm. or they don't qualify for this. So can you just describe for us how you work with home buyers to understand their financial situation and goals and how does that enable you to offer a tailored mortgage solution for them? Yeah. Uh, there, there's obviously, I mean, uh, pretty much any loan officer is going to, you know, just kind of go over the basics, like what, how much are you looking to put down? Um, what are you hoping to afford? Uh, how much do you make? Those sort of numbers. Uh, one question I like to ask, and it's like, and again, for, for especially for first time home buyers, is what are you most scared of of the home buying process? And I feel like that kind of um, unveils some other issues that maybe they're not telling me at the beginning, where I'm where I can maybe put them more at ease uh, that way because I feel like anyone purchasing something big is going to have they're going to be a little scared about something. Uh, so I feel like sometimes that could be something minor, or sometimes we had a whole hour conversation. I asked them that, and then I realized that. Again, I can either put them at ease or make sure that if that's what they're most scared of, I'm, that's, that's their end goal of that's what they don't want to happen. Uh, so then I'll know, okay, if you're worried about losing money, I'll make sure, you know, I, I can double down all these other places and make sure everyone else is really communicative of like that specific, um, point. If it's something I can handle, there's always things that are out of my hands, but if I can communicate as much as I can with those other parties that, you know, we can't lose this due diligence money. That's going to be a game changer for them. They put a lot down uh, for this home and we, we want to make sure we're not losing that. We get appraisal back ASAP. Um, so little things like that. I just feel like that's a question that there's always something that's there. You're scared of something when you're spending quite a big chunk of money and making a pretty big life decision. So, um, I think that usually does get to help me besides the fact of I, you know, am I, what's, what's more important to you? Of would you like a lower monthly mortgage payment? Are you really just looking at rate? And so you're worried about spending, um, more of the interest or are you wanting to put down as little as possible and you're okay with a little bit higher of a monthly mortgage payment? Those are really the basics, but like I said, I like to kind of uncover some other things that maybe just not every loan officer may ask. I love that. I love the fact that you actually take the time to ask home buyers, what is it that you're afraid of about the home buying process? Are there any parts of it that you may be fearful of? Because it is a big process. It's a tedious process. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of paperwork, probably more than what they've realized. And so mm-hmm. you finding out where they are in their journey, how they emotionally are invested into that journey speaks volumes. So thank you for doing that. I applaud <laughs> you for doing that and taking the time Thanks. to do that. Of course. And when it comes to the mortgage transactions, though, it, again, it does involve a lot of paperwork and processes. So mm-hmm. how do you help home buyers navigate through this smoothly? I will say, um, so I do, I pre-approve buyers. So once they apply, so pre-qualification doesn't actually review all of the documentation and do the math um, of maybe your actual income because a lot of people don't know uh, what their yearly income is or they may, and of course, of course, they may not know certain guidelines that I have to calculate certain things differently or I may not be able to use it if you've only gotten commission for a year. So if you're just typing that in, a loan officer is going based off of what the input of the buyer put in there. They don't know those guidelines and they're qualifying you based off that. 
then it, it may not work. You may go under contract on a home and then realize you don't qualify for it. So um, besides being able to pre-approve, I pre-approve up front. So that's where I do get the basic information like your W-2s, pay stubs, um, bank statements. I do notice, again, a lot of times first-time home buyers that they may not have that cash to close that that down payment amount immediately because a lot of times they are, they're waiting for a gift. So I am saying a lot of it's, I'm pre-approving you based off of only just you having those funds to close because there are things where it happens. You get some seller credits and that takes care of a lot of it. I think I had one girl, I think she ate ramen noodles for a month. Like because she saved up that money. <laughs> um, she did not spend it like anything excessive that month. So, um, I, I do that, but I do look over everything so that then when it times to act when you're under contract, I don't have to gather a bunch of more additional information. Um, I do have an account manager that would be, it's assigned to each, um, each loan that's going through the process. So they are really great about just only asking the clients for only what they need. Um, it may, in that time, it might just be one or two documents. Uh, so it may not be a lot. So I get it a lot of, all of a, a lot of it up front to then not have to overwhelm you later on and obviously make sure that, you know, I've done all my due diligence and everything I need to do to make sure that you are pre-approved for that home as long as there's no surprises. <laughs> I love the fact that you touched on one vital point that I think our audience members need to know and the general public needs to know that there is a difference between pre-qualification and pre-approval. Mm-hmm. And so just to recap on what you said, when you're pre-qualifying, it could be immediate, right? They could just pull your credit and go, yay, you're pre-qualified mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. a certain amount. But pre-approval goes deeper into that. Your mm-hmm. W-2s, your taxes, any mm-hmm. of the other information that a lender is going to ask for and then start crunching those numbers to see, mm-hmm. okay, based on what you bring home, based on your credit, your debt to income ratio, this is where you can go. And I like that. And so people may think that realtors are sticklers for, hey, have you been pre-approved yet? Pre-approval actually saves you time. And heartache. (laughs) Yes, heartache. Because what's worse than going out shopping? And I had a, a former colleague go through this experience. Realtor was showing them homes and did not ask them were they pre-approved, didn't check, didn't recommend mm-hmm. that they go through a lender. They try to put an offer in on a home. Come to find out when they did backtrack mm-hmm. and talk to a lender, they were not approved for the amount and the sellers mm-hmm. were not willing to back down. And just mm-hmm. so you guys know, in this particular market, the way it's been the past few years, and I see now it's set a precedence, you're going to need a pre-approval. And a lot of times, listing agents will even say, please submit pre-approval when submitting the offer because they oh, want yeah. to know, sellers want to know, okay, is this person mm-hmm. really serious? Do they have mm-hmm. the financial backing to purchase mm-hmm. this home? So yeah. that pre-qual, mm, that's just the quick and dirty version of it. But actually doing the pre-approval of what Taylor was talking about is really delving deep into it and doing the number crunching. So now you mentioned that you have an account manager that you deal with, but are the clients able to actually reach out to you if they have questions? 
Yes. And that's like a, that was something else I wanted to, to touch on too, is that uh, I do think some of these really large lenders, you start talking to someone, you start talking to their loan officer. And then once you're under contract, you get passed down to a department, to another one, to another one, to another one. And then you don't know who you need to contact. Uh, same with, with agents. They want to know who do I need, who, what one person can I call? <laughs> um, again, some of these larger ones, they don't have one point of contact. So uh, with me, I don't go anywhere from the beginning to the very end. Um, and a lot of times I'm at the closing table um, if I can make it and if it's not not too far away. But um, yeah, so I, I don't leave. So it's just would be me and my team directly. And that's just me and the account manager. So there's two people that you notify and I am included in everything. So I don't go anywhere and I'm a little bit too hands-on maybe than some other, maybe other loan officers, but again, it's because I, you know, I, I know when I'm hundred percent referral based. So all of my clients come from an agent who has been working and putting their blood, sweat, and tears into helping these clients and driving miles and miles. So I know how important it is if you're trusting your clients with me. So I do take a little bit more time, that extra step. But again, I don't go anywhere. Um, I'm around. <laughs> um, even on the weekends, if somebody needs me, I can't tell how many pre-approvals I've sent from my phone on a Saturday or something. <laughs> um, so because sometimes real estate just doesn't wait. So, um, and like you said, those listing agents, they may want, I want pre-approval and I need it by Sunday at seven or Sunday at six. There's a lot that were over the weekend. So, um, a lot of times you try calling your bank over the weekend, you won't get anybody. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, so I don't go anywhere. <laughs> and thank you for doing that because again, being there for the clients, the home buyers, but also being there for the agents because if we're out showing homes on the weekend and that pre-approval letter may be a certain amount. And, and I may have to call you, Taylor, and say, hey, <laughs> <laughs> can you change this real quick mm -hmm. for me, please? Mm -hmm. And being there and doing that. And I've worked with some I couldn't get in contact with or the account yeah. manager is not a loan officer, so they can't talk to me about numbers. And that can mm -hmm. lead to frustration. So trying to make this as streamlined as possible. Thank mm -hmm. you. Thank you for being mm -hmm. one of those stand-up people in the industry that you okay. can reach out to. I don't want it to fall on my shoulder. So I am <laughs> I am there. And again, I know how emotional it can be. And yes, of course. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So now let's talk about some industry knowledge and trends. So tell me, how do you stay up to date? Because <laughs> It's changing constantly. <laughs> Mortgage market and regulations are constantly evolving. How do you stay up to date with the industry changes and how does this benefit your clients? Yeah, I mean, it's just one thing where I'm interested in it. I, I find it interesting that the market, the housing market, real estate, um, and there's things, there's also trends that happen yearly. Um, but staying on top of it, I mean, I'm, I'm part of a lot of networking groups, some are other loan officers, so I can kind of bounce ideas off of them, what's worked for you and your clients. Um, but really just, it's something that I'm interested in. Uh, if someone asks me anything about the industry while I'm out at a friend's party or a birthday party or something, I could go on forever. And so I think my, my husband's usually like, okay, you've got to stop talking about <laughs> mortgages and real estate. Um, but if someone asks me, <laughs> Um, it, it's just a, it's, it's a passion of mine. It's, I find it extremely interesting. I like to know, 
of course, what's going to be happening uh, like this week, there is a Fed meeting. I know that typically rates uh, improve right before then uh, in in hope in anticipation of not knowing what the Fed is going to release and the data and knowing what that's going to do. So um, I'm kind of know now, should I should I lock in this rate today if they're under contract or should I wait till tomorrow? Because that could be a huge game changer uh, if you don't have a, an, a loan officer or someone who's knows about those industry um, industry news and knowledge on what might happen, what's happened before. Um, and then also our our uh, our lenders that we work with, they're pretty good about giving us any um, information about any changes. A lot of times they adapt. And over the years, they have new programs and products. Like during COVID, most of the lenders would not finance manufactured homes. And I had one that did. And then and then after the rates did start to go up a little bit is where it wasn't, we weren't at those twos anymore. Um, and people, and obviously inventory so low. So they're wanting to then offer more financing options for, for more homes, for more properties. So then more and more of them came out with, um, those options to finance manufactured homes. Cause the one that did allow it was not that great to work with. Uh, like they might take a little bit more time than some of the others or, or maybe drop the ball once before. So I'm hesitant on using them or something, but, um, so yeah, so I, I always know about all those new products and pricing that I try to let all my agents know that. And then also, I mean, just social media, try to get the word out about any kind of updates like that or different programs that I can offer. Right. So where do you think, because this is a hot topic and I'm sure you get <laughs> asked this question all the time, and this is a safe place here, so you can talk about real estate <laughs> and mortgage rates, okay? <laughs> yes, <laughs> love it. Where do you think, I have an idea of where I think <laughs> interest rates will be around this time next year, but what do you think, as far as people who are panicking, they think that we're going to have this huge market crisis crash that uh, I've seen people on YouTube saying, now is not the time to buy a home. I'm telling mm -hmm. people it's still a good time to buy a home. What are your thoughts Besides, yeah. despite all the chatter that's out there. Yeah. <laughs> oh, this is, yeah, this is a good topic. <laughs> Love this question. Um, uh, historically, rates do improve on election years. And, uh, and right now with how, where they are at a, I think it's a 20 year, uh, close to a 20 year high, I believe. They're bound to come down. <laughs> um, they do have to come down. But uh, so with next year, we, I think most mortgage professionals are going to say, yes, they're going to be decreasing next year, uh, at some points. Don't, we just don't know exactly when and how much they will decrease. Uh, but again, historically, if we look at anything, it's election years or improve. However, my, what I want really what people to take away is that the more, if you think, oh, finally it's at a 5% now, I'm going to go look at homes. Don't you think everybody else is going to be doing the same thing? <laughs> and with inventory of housing, it's not going to be able to catch up by next year of the demand. So no matter what, when there is a lot of demand and not enough inventory, prices go up. So then with pricing going up and fighting with all those people, 
it's going to be a lot harder uh, for first-time home buyers. And right now, I am seeing great incentives from sellers, um, flexible terms to move in. You like if you need a month, you need two months until your lease is up. Sellers like that's fine. <laughs> um, there, it's a lot more flexible right now. And then your due diligence and your or your earnest money, which are basically deposits on the contract for them to take it off of the MLS and um, um, that deposit for you to hold the home basically and move forward. Um, those are a lot less. So then if maybe there were, was something wrong with the home, you can back out and not lose money at all or not lose nearly as much as I was seeing when it was COVID times and rates were the three and 4%. There, I mean, I saw people walk away from like $50,000. Like it was, it's huge. So, and I don't know <laughs> why, but, uh, I mean, it, but they, it was that time. Um, so it's just going to be so much harder to fight with more people or investors who have the cash to put down. Um, then if, when it is, if you're able to get in the home now, have a comfortable payment for now, but just know that you can refinance next year and then you don't have to do all that fighting. You've gotten the home that you love. I know a lot of them say date the rate, marry the price. Um, and it really is true because the price is going to stay the same. You could always refinance later in the future. Um, and then also, who knows, by that time, maybe you put in some sweat equity into the home and you can get maybe, let's say, maybe a little bit of cash out at that time. Uh, so you can refinance, get a lower mortgage payment, and maybe get a little cash out. But no matter what, the main goal would be to refinance. Now you have a lower monthly mortgage payment. You can go on living your life and you're not having to deal with the craziness of the housing market at that time. I need you to preach that from the <laughs> mountaintops. I'll say one thing you take away today. <laughs> hey, if you don't get anything else from this conversation, people. <laughs> exactly. Do yes. not be intimidated by the interest rates. I know it may be a little, a little angst to the wallet, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. But I do tell people, Marry the house, date the rate. Mm -hmm. If you see yourself being in that home for five to seven years, at least, mm -hmm. get the home. Mm -hmm. Because the, when the interest rates, and I'm like you, around this time next year, interest rates are going to start to drop, which means there are going to be more people back on the market going, mm -hmm. ooh, now is the perfect time to buy. And a mm -hmm. lot of people during the pandemic, when the interest rates were that low, suppressed, artificially suppressed that low, there was so much competition and so much influx of buyers. And there were some people, if you are not a go-getter, if you don't like competition, then why mm -hmm. would you put yourself back in the competition arena? Because mm -hmm. that's what it's going to be like. It's going to be like a free-for-all and mm -hmm. the person with the most bucks unfortunately ended up winning because mm -hmm. they were throwing so much cash at it. Mm -hmm. And so also give yourself time, like on average, and I'm being very conservative about this. I would say like every year, and I know it's a little bit more now, but every year your home will increase in equity on average about 3.75%. But I know it may be a little higher now. Mm -hmm. But you're building equity at the same time. So by the time well, what Taylor was saying, when you do refinance, you may be able to get a little cash out of that if you need to. Keep in mind when you refi, there are going to be some closing costs involved, but are they going to be as substantial as when you first bought your home? No, mm -hmm. it's not. So yeah. if you don't get anything else from this conversation, guys, 
<laughs> it yeah, is always the right like time. Competition. Right. <laughs> you love competition, great. But yeah, mm-hmm. it, it's and I will say, I think I know, especially a first-time home buyer, you're already thinking the home buying process is complicated. Oh my gosh, I have to think about refinancing in the future too. Um, I will say refinancing is a much more simpler process. And 99% of the time, I can wrap in any of those closing costs into your new loan amount. So then basically you don't come to closing with anything, um, any money. So yeah, there's those closing costs that are there, but I can wrap them into the cash out of pocket. It, it could be little to none. Um, so it's just another thing I think don't, people don't realize. And, um, I do a lot of the work. It's just going to have to be applying, gathering those documents again. But when you close, I can send a notary to your work. I can send it to your kid's school. I can send it to the hotel you're at vacation. Um, and you sign some documents and you're good to go. So it's a lot easier. Uh, it's a lot simpler and a lot, a lot, a lot of more, like cheaper. <laughs> Less money. Yes. yes. And then you it's just l- have a new mortgage payment. So good to go. <laughs> yes. Okay. Thank you. For touching yes. on that, you knew that question was coming. Uh-huh. You had to know that question was coming. Of course. <laughs> so have there been any recent industry trends now that we're talking about industry trends that have affected the advice that you have provided to a home buyer besides now, if you're as long as you're ready, financially ready to buy a home, go ahead and buy a home. Are there any other examples of industry trends that you're letting your home buyers know right now? Um, there's not a ton happening right now. Um, besides just rates are volatile. Um, right now, there's not a ton. I will say the beginning of this year, the FHA uh, did decrease their mortgage insurance premium, which was one of the big negative parts with going FHA. Sometimes we don't really have a lot of options, but it depends on the buyer's specific situation where FHA might be a much better fit than conventional. But the one thing that was m- more um, is not always as best with FHA was that the mortgage insurance was always was typically going to be higher um, than a conventional loan. And that's something that you'll have um, if you don't put down 20%. Um, however, FHA does have it for the lifetime of the loan. So, uh, but what what was important is that that made a huge difference. That I call people back like, you, I know you may not have qualified before, but you may now with how much, when they reduce that, that reduces or that reduces your debt to income ratio because that's part of the mortgage payment. So that was a huge one. And there was um, a buyer this year that she had great credit. It was like maybe 700s or so. That's amazing. Um, and, but then comparing the two of conventional FHA with that reduced FHA mortgage insurance, it was honestly, it was better. You're going to have a lower monthly payment and a lower cash to close on the FHA option than we were going to do with that conventional. So the only downside would have been that, you know, if you did not refinance or move, you're going to have that, um, that mortgage insurance for the lifetime of the loan because conventional, it will eventually fall off. But most people, it, to me, I'm, I believe it would most likely be her starter home. So she probably would not be there for the next 30 years, or I'm sure she would refinance in the future. So FHA at the time, if she's going to live there for a few years would have been a really, it was a really good option. Um, so that's that's just something. That was earlier this year, but there hasn't been any super major changes as of lately. You know, we're just we are hoping rates come down soon, <laughs> right? And let's talk about FHA for a little bit because I know mm-hmm. they're unfortunately. I'm not saying my colleagues have done it, but for some reason, 
the word got out to certain people. You know how there's people who watch YouTube and listen to other people <laughs> and they're going, oh, you know, don't don't accept buyers with FHA loans. I unfortunately have heard people in the general public mm-hmm. say those things. And I think it's disparaging that they look down on FHA because everybody has to get a start mm-hmm. from somewhere. So can you kind of demystify the stigma that some people have about FHA loans? I think because if an inspector goes out or an appraiser goes out, they're going to be looking for certain things in a home. Can you touch on that piece and why people should not be afraid if a home buyer comes to them with an FHA loan? Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, I, it was before where it was just, just better for the buyer. It just worked out to be more beneficial for them financially. So it had nothing to do. There was nothing wrong. Um, but yes, I will say, I think in the past people didn't, or sellers would say no FHA, which seems ridiculous, absolutely, and unfair. But I think the one reason is because that FHA appraisals, they are going to be pickier. They're, they, it's a government backed loan. So they, they will be very picky about what they need to be done before the loan can close. Like I had one a couple of months ago that it was a doorknob, which is really simple, but that doorknob needed to be replaced before we can close on the home. Um, and then a conventional loan most likely won't care about that sort of thing. So I think sellers might think, oh, it's going to be more of a headache or I'm going to have to do more work um, to to do this. So, and again, that's just unfortunate that they think that way. Um, but, and sometimes it just has to do again with the guidelines in the background. FHA is a government loan. So if maybe you had too many late payments on a, gov- a student government loan in the past, they may not, you may not be able to go with FHA, which everything else looks fine, but they see that and they don't like that. So then we might have to go conventional and, and vice versa. There might also be some other guidelines for conventional, which it just doesn't work that as well with conventional. So we go FHA. Um, and you know, I don't, I haven't had a problem, but I have seen sellers sometimes be, be picky about that. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> I look at it like this. If you have taken good care of your home mm-hmm. and the home is in good condition and there's That's not true. a lot of deferred maintenance where you just have not taken care of the upkeep of the home, then mm-hmm. You are probably in good shape. You shouldn't have True. a lot to worry about mm-hmm. when it comes to an FHA appraisal coming mm-hmm. in. So thank you for shedding good some point. light on that, too, because for some reason, they just some sellers have that idea that they don't want to go through that. Mm-hmm. And everybody has to get a start somewhere. Mm-hmm. No one just came out the gate saying, yes, <laughs> I know it all. And I have all these funds there. I will. Let me take that back. There's probably about the top 1% yeah, right. or 10% Literally. in the country that can just <laughs> mm-hmm. drop down cash to get a home. Mm-hmm. But I know a lot of people who have benefited from the FHA program. Yeah. And absolutely. I'm glad that they come out with this incentive to actually help home buyers as well. Mm-hmm. Now, you mentioned about one of your clients probably eating ramen for a whole month to make it (laughs) to the finish line. (laughs) To wrap up, could you share a success story with you being in this current role as a mortgage broker that has made a significant positive impact on a home buyer's experience? Yeah, there there is one thing I definitely wanted to say, and and it's honestly one of the big difference differences that um, I, I think have benefit 
a lot of my clients, uh, more than just one, is that, again, as a mortgage broker, I do have all these options to shop and get you the best rate pricing, and that's great. But there's also the chance where during the mortgage process that um, maybe rates improved like dramatically, at least something that's going to be decent change, either monthly or down payment wise. Um, or I had one time where we needed an extra week because of some um, repairs that needed to be made. And I was going to cost the buyer a good a chunk of money to extend the lock period. So basically what I can do is if it's, we're still gonna be able to close on time and it's going to benefit the buyer, I can move a buyer to another lender. Uh, it really doesn't affect the lender or, or the buyer at all. I just have to do a little bit of work, moving everything over, move the appraisal over. We don't have to get a new one. If let's say, like I said, rates increased, um, like dramatically or, or even just a, it's really important for that buyer. It makes, it would make a big difference for them. I can move them if something like that's happened while we're in the mortgage process, as long as it's only going to be beneficial and we can still close on time. Uh, and then if you, cause if you're with the lender, they, that's the only one that's, that's it. There is no other ones they're going to be able to send you mm-hmm. to. Um, so in that process, I can move, I can move the buyer. Um, and that happened too when appraisal came back lot lot lower than we expected and would have been a almost them backing out um mm-hmm. where we just really didn't agree with it and so um normally that lender is gonna say nope that's the appraisal uh, i can't there's nothing we can do about it but i can move them over to another lender order new appraisal if we feel that strongly about it and it increased about like twenty thousand dollars so because it was that it was that much off so wow. um and that got almost exactly to where the the purchase price was so without that they either would have maybe had to come up with that amount or i'm having to restructure it so and now maybe you have a lot more of a monthly payment or a mortgage insurance so um if they're with a bank and you've now under a time crunch and that bank's like sorry that's the appraisal that we have you would have to go and apply and start all over again with somebody else or another lender where I I already know the client. I got the situation. I've got the application. I've got the documents. I can just move it over uh, again as long as it's going to benefit the clients. In the end, um, I can do that, and I've done that numerous occasions. And again, especially when things were changing um, or, or things have went down and up and down, and yeah, so that's definitely something that makes a huge difference to buyers because it could have been really bad if if they I, I, I would would I would not want to be in that scenario if I wasn't able to. Um, if I was the buyer and wasn't able to easily change <laughs> and get something changed. Exactly. Because again, it can be a stressful period because there's so many moving pieces. I mm-hmm. liken it to a roller coaster ride. Mm-hmm. And it takes a good team mm-hmm. and having a good mortgage mm-hmm. broker in your back pocket as a realtor is very advantageous, not just for yourself, but also for your, your clients. So thank you for sharing that experience because a lot of times it is on the onus of the realtor to try and find another lender to have that. But with you being a mortgage broker, you can say, you know what, this isn't advantageous for you right now. Let's see what we can do and switch that over. So thank you for sharing that experience with us. Now I'm going to shoot you with some rapid fire questions right now. Are you ready? (laughs) Think so. <laughs> okay. So what movie would you do you watch over and over again that inspires you or just puts a, a fire under you that keeps you motivated and going? Uh, um 
dang, I feel like there's some, like, goodness, I was going to say, at first I was like, oh, I just love Forrest Gump. <laughs> I watched that over <laughs> and over again. Uh, just something heartfelt. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, see, these are ones that's like naming them. I'd have to be like, I'm like, I'll scroll one day. Um, <laughs> we'll call like, it Forrest Gump. Forrest yeah, Gump. I mean, Gump is a good one. I, I've, yeah, I, I'll say, I mean, he overcomes a lot of hurdles that people were saying, you can't do this. And, um, you know, I, 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 <laughs> I, and I hear that a lot or like I've talked to a buyer, like, I can't do this. I can't do this right now. It's just not going to work. And I'm like, well, let's just, let me tell you why, what we're going to need to do to get your ducks in a row. And then even if it's not going to happen for a year or two from now, like at least you're trying. Um, and so I, and then a lot of home buyers, I kind of think for the media, and I think sometimes parents aren't the best encouragers, um, we're, for to buying a home. They went through that, uh, they went through the 2010 recession. So I think they're a little skeptical, um, mm-hmm. or maybe have a bad taste in their mouth. But, um, I will say a lot of the buyers now, I think here's so much negativity and saying you can't do this or it's not a good idea. So, um, I guess it's kind of relatable <laughs> to force come because <laughs> a lot of people told me couldn't do all these things and you did. So, uh, and of course that's what I love too, like a, a, a success story. Forrest Gump is a classic. It is a classic. And you're right. He overcame so many. His character, that character overcame so many obstacles. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I I think that's appropriate. <laughs> okay, good. Wonderful. <laughs> is there any particular thing besides being a mortgage broker, talking about real estate and mortgage loans, <laughs> that you wish you could have done or you thought about doing when you were a kid that you kind of wish, hmm, maybe I want to try that later <laughs> on in life? Um, I always liked marketing. Um, but then again, that's a little bit of why I, I, I do things a little bit differently. I try to put myself out there and try to educate, um, buyers or goodness agents. Yes. Yeah, sometimes I think like, this is super helpful. Um, again, things change all the time. So with our industry too. So I will say a little bit of that comes into play when I, my social media. Um, so I get to do a little bit of that still. So, um, I do like that, but, I will say I I do like doing mortgages more. <laughs> um, it's different every day, so I like I love that. But yeah, but I get to do a little bit of the marketing still. So okay. And one <laughs> final question: Any advice for our audience today on how they can work it, live it, own it in their everyday lives? Um, I think uh, I think don't take uh the media or even family members are not always the best resource when it comes to buying a home um you know take those things listen to them um but then definitely take the advice from professionals at the end of the day um i personally am not a very salesy person i'd much rather have someone call me and ask me questions about what they need to get prepared than not and take the advice from a um, an uncle or something who hasn't bought a home in 20 years. And then because if they did, they would have been more prepared when the time is right, uh, or I mean, their scenario and their situation. So I would say, as a professional, um, you know, I, I'm happy to do it all the time. I'm not going to say, now what? Now we're going to get you to apply. Like it's, you know, I'm, I'm happy just that you thought of me and I can at least help in some way. And then when that time is right, you know, great. Call me back later. <laughs> but, um, I will say just ask professional these things and every situation is different. Of course, it's like, well, my friend did this, but you could have the same job and have the same income as your friend and he can afford a lot more than you. But there's so many more factors that you've got to look at and don't just think, or he maybe didn't. And you're like, well, I, that's the only thing I can afford. Like, I'm not going to even try. You've got to ask and ask a professional, uh, I would say. And, um, 
Yeah. Instead of just kind of guessing or taking, well, media scaring you or all these other, or all these other noises in your head or in your ear. <laughs> I love that. That was wonderful sage advice. <laughs> talk to the professionals, talk to those who are in it every single day. I can't tell you how many times I've heard that from other people. Well, my financial advisor said this home is worth this. <laughs> Mm -hmm. Is that financial advisor realtor? Mm -hmm. Do they live in this state? <laughs> Are they yeah. aware that what goes on in one state is not yeah. across the board? So I love that. Take the time to actually sit down and talk to professionals. If a one certain professional is not the one that resonates with you, keep knocking, keep asking, keep going until you find the one that does resonate with you, the one that you feel is going to be the trusted advisor. Mm-hmm. And yes, you did touch on that point. You gingerly touched on that point that sometimes talking to family members who haven't bought a home, bought or sold in 20, 10 years is different. Every year is different. Every month right now in this industry is different. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. As a realtor and as a mortgage broker, you know, every transaction is different. Mm -hmm. Every situation, scenario is different. Mm -hmm. And we've seen a lot. So mm -hmm. ask those questions. Ask the ones who are in it, who have their boots on the ground every single mm -hmm. day. Thank you so much, Taylor, for joining me today and sitting down and having this conversation. I know this episode went a little bit longer than my usual episodes, but I really <laughs> wanted to touch on some vital points here about where we are headed in this market, even in the future Checking with those trusted advisors, getting that feedback. There's a difference between going to a financial institution and reaching out to a mortgage broker. There's so many different scenarios. You have these options available for you, and I wanted to bring these to the forefront for you all. If this episode is important to you, it resonated with you, download it, share it with your family, tribe, and community. And also don't hesitate to leave a review Leave us a comment or a voice memo on my website at workatliveatownit.com or on Spotify or leave a comment below if you're watching this on YouTube about some things that really resonated with you in this conversation. Again, Taylor, thank you so much for being here, guys. Thank you. You're welcome. And don't forget to work at Live It, Own It in your everyday lives. Take care. <laughs>